Hi everyone, and welcome to episode 5 of the Pokemon Snapshot. Tyler, we're still here. I know, I honestly cannot believe that this didn't just crash and burn by episode 2, but here we are. Yes, we've had some rough patches, and I'm thankful for our fans who have stuck with us. Uh, As I was telling people this week, I wish I could watch shows as much as in-depth as I've been watching this one, because I seem to pay a lot more attention when I have to do a podcast about it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I will probably never again do as in-depth of an analysis of a childhood show, probably ever again, just because I spend so much time with each one of these episodes analyzing all of Ash's terrible mistakes. Yes, and before we get into the episode, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we can. you can follow us at pokemon snapshot if you would like to send us an email you can email the pokemon snapshot at gmail.com also if you are listening on apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review and if we like your review we will read it on the air and a little disclaimer on that we won't read literally every review that pops up um it, it will depend on the content so grandma if you're listening to this if you're trolling my stuff again online i'm not reading your your stuff this is a children's show okay so on that note let's get into the episode so as we said at the beginning this is episode five and it is called showdown in pewter city in japanese it was called the nibby gym battle which nibby is the name of pewter city in japanese uh it aired on april 29th 1997 in japan and on september 14th 1998 in the united states awesome what a fine year 1998 was Gosh, so much going on. Yeah, I would love to go back, you know, just being 10 years old again. I'd go back and slip myself a note that would just say, buy Bitcoin. As soon as you can buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. That's what I would do. Past me would probably crumble it up and throw it away, though, knowing myself. Yeah, your 10-year-old self would just be, what's Bitcoin? Yep, I'd throw it away because I was like that. Anyway, uh, so we can get started with the episode now. Um, We actually start off this time with Meowth digging a hole while Jesse and James sing their little poem song thing, as they are apt to do. Uh, Meowth complains that he always has to do all the work, and I feel like we actually had the opposite team dynamic going on in the last episode, because before, you know, just in the last episode, it kind of made it very clear that Meowth was the person that was just kind of being lazy and hanging around, And Team Rocket, the rest of the Team Rocket members, Jesse and James, were the ones doing all the work. But that seems to have flipped in this episode because we actually do see Meowth actively digging a hole. As it turns out, Team Rocket is laying a trap for Ash and his crew as they head for Pewter City. They will fall right into our trap, they say, laughing menacingly. Apparently their plan is to get Ash and his group to fall into the hole. Is this turning into Looney Tunes, Jeff? Uh, As you will see as we go on, this is an ongoing gag. It's going to keep going throughout the series, and very rarely does it work. Yeah, I can imagine not. It's kind of a terrible plan. Upon finishing their little hole, they actually, though, discover that they cannot find it anymore, and they begin to panic, and then, of course, fall into their own hole, which is not a great time. (laughs) So they fall in, and then they're just gone. They're out of the picture for right now. Pretty much the whole episode. They're out of the picture for the whole episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then, you know, we pretty much cut to the narrator then explaining that Ash and his party have finally found their way out of Viridian Forest. Ash gets excited as he spots Pewter City. They're relieved, and Ash claims he didn't think that they would ever find their way out of the forest. 
And that brings up a point. Didn't they just have to follow a relatively straight path as outlined by Samurai in the last episode? I feel like he like pointed them towards a hole and basically said something to the effect of, just follow that, go to the top of the hill, and you're pretty much out. But apparently they still got lost along the way. It, it makes no sense. I mean, it is Ash we're talking about, so he probably got distracted, went to catch more Pokemon, didn't succeed because he has come out with no Pokemon. Yeah. The, the writers of the show are probably like, you know what, we've shown Ash failing to catch enough Pokemon enough times at this point. We're just going to leave that to the viewer's imagination. They'll just assume that it was happening. We then cut to a menacing man in a beard and a ball cap, the cap covering his eyes in that typical anime fashion. Kind of like uh, what you were talking about in the last episode with Ash. Um, he says his name is Flint and explains that he sells rocks as souvenirs. And and, and before this, he, he also explains that uh, they are now at Pewter City, which is gray like a color of stone, and that the city is actually famous for stone, which I think is kind of interesting. And I just want to point out... Um, Selling rocks as souvenirs is kind of a lame profession to be in when you're in a town completely surrounded by rocks. Like, what's preventing people from just picking up their own rocks? Also, he's being very menacing. You'd feel like if he was going to be, you know, talking to children as they come out of a forest and wanting to sell them rocks, he might throw a little bit of salesmanship in there. He's just not, you know, doing a very good job of selling these particular rocks, it doesn't seem. Uh, Tyler, one thing I wanted to make note of is you said that it was interesting how Pewter City was known for its rocks. And it's actually an interesting fact is that all of the towns named in the first generation of Pokemon, at least on the English side, are all colors. So uh, Viridian City, I believe Viridian's like a green. It's known for its forest. Uh, Pewter City is where the rock gym leader is and it's like a stony rock color and then he starts in palette town like a palette of colors ah see i never made that connection also i did not know that pewter was a color then again i'm not very a really a very great person to ask about things like that so that that explains why i didn't catch that so after his uh terrible salesmanship and failing to sell rocks in a area literally full of rocks uh, he notices over and looks at Pikachu and realizes that he looks very worn out and offers to show them where the Pokemon Center is. Ash tells Misty that they have misjudged this guy and that he is actually nice after all. Misty isn't so sure. I really liked Ash's quote here. He just goes, looks can be see deceiving. See, he's a nice guy. Yeah, he offered to do one nice thing, which involves you following a stranger into a random city after they've been super unpleasant and just hoping for the best. I just thought that that was kind of odd. Um, as they begin to follow this odd stranger into the city, which seems like a terrible idea, he informs them that they owe $2 for actually sitting on the rock. Ash and Misty, in typical anime fashion, make an odd surprising noise. I don't even really know what kind of noise it was. It was like, or something like that. And then they fall to the ground. And I just kind of laughed to myself because I'm like, man, that was a very anime moment right there that they did that. We will see a lot of those moments throughout I know, and I cannot wait. It is going to be very exciting. We then cut to the Pokemon Center in Pewter City. It is large and fancy, and it has a giant P in the center of it. It kind of reminds me of, like, you know, one of those, like, giant business towers they have here. Like, you know, the Trump Tower and all that stuff, how it has the big name across it. That's what it reminded me of. And this one has just a giant P right in the center of it. And it looks very huge and and very interesting to see. Like, it's it got to ruin the skyline a little bit. 
Yeah, but if you think about it, it kind of going off the real world where we try to make hospitals easy to find by putting the giant H's. They're just trying to uh, keep their Pokemon hospitals easy to find. Yes, yes, yes. I, that actually makes sense. I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. Though, have I, I don't think I've ever actually seen a hospital with a giant H on it, like outside of TV and cartoons. Is well, yeah, but thing? the signs, the signs define the hospital usually have the giant H. That's true. Very true. So we end up at the Pokemon Center. Ash hands over Pikachu to Nurse Joy and is surprised that she is there. Nurse Joy explains that she's the older sister and she has heard nice things about Ash. Though, to be honest, I'm not really sure what those nice things would be considering he brought destruction everywhere. I feel like if I was like other Nurse Joy and I saw Ash rolling into town and into my Pokemon Center, I'd be like, oh, Lord, here we go. Because this place is going to be burned down. Hit the panic button, like large garage doors start shutting on all the big glass windows and yeah i mean I he literally blew up the other pokemon center it's true he did so i feel like the other nurse joy i feel like other nurse joy in peter city really should have been warned and should have hit a panic button for sure when she saw him rolling on through the doors um nurse joy then directs ash to look over at a poster advertising the pokemon regional championships and i just want to backtrack a little bit because i do think i forgot to mention that this Nurse Joy does explain to Ash that she is, in fact, the older sister of younger Nurse Joy from the previous episode. Though they look exactly the same, they talk the same, they're basically the same person, which is why Ash was so surprised. So, getting back to where we were, though, uh, Ash looks over, he sees the Pokemon Regional Championships poster, and he decides immediately that he is going to try to join these Regional Championships, despite... The fact that at this point, he doesn't actually seem to have ever defeated anybody, but he thinks he's good enough to be regional champion. But Misty rains on his parade and explains to him that he needs to beat gym trainers from different towns and get their badges as proof. Now, something I wanted to bring to note here is he sees this poster like it's something new, which I thought this was a pretty common thing in all regions. You know, you know, beat the gym leaders to get to the final tournament. I mean, in the games, it's the Elite Four, but it's not really that in the anime. But he's never heard of it. So what was his plan? Where was he headed? I have no idea. He's not heard of it. He's just now discovering it. I feel like this is something he should have known about. I totally agree. Uh, and I kind of picked up on something pretty similar to that as well. But as Ash is looking at this poster... Flint actually walks up and goes, ha, 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 like literally like that, ha, 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 and mocks Ash for thinking he can beat the Peter City gym leader, Brock. Ash is undeterred and exclaims that he will beat him. Flint continues to awkwardly go, ha, 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 while he walks away, basically saying that Ash will never defeat this particular gym leader. After this scene happens, we cut to a restaurant where Ash and Misty are eating. Ash is upset that Flint, quote-unquote, made a fool of him. Ash, I don't know how to tell you this, but the only person making a fool of you is you at this point. You need to grow up and get your stuff together. I'm just saying. I'm I mean, he is there. 10. That's true, but he's a 10-year-old who's been trusted with capturing and enslaving wild animals and making them fight one another and traveling the world completely unsupervised. I feel like he should be a little further along. But anyway, that's my rant. I'm sorry. I'll get back on topic. Misty explains that... Uh, you know, these, these, these gym trainers are not your regular average trainers. That gym trainers are tougher. Not that Ash has even beaten an actual trainer yet either, but fortunately she's nice enough to offer to help. Ash declines her request in typical fashion, and Misty walks away upset. 
And I just want to throw out here that Ash is kind of a terrible person. Like, he's selfish, he has an inflated ego, all that stuff, and this scene really just shows that. She's literally like, hey, this is going to be really challenging. You don't expect the challenges that are coming. Even though you've destroyed my bike and taken me on this wild adventure that's been nothing but negative for me, I am going to offer you my assistance. And what does he say? Nah, I don't need your assistance. And she takes off. And he doesn't even care. He then looks down and realizes that he's now stuck with the bill because she left. He cries how she can't leave him with the bill. He hollers that out. Like, literally, he just crushes her after she tries to be helpful. And the only thing bothering him is that he's being left with the bill. Which, let's bring up the point that he still has a pater for his her bike. So he does owe her some money. He does owe her money, but I mean, holy cow. Like, get, get her a bike, Ash. Get her a bike. Send her on her way. She's been tagging along with you long enough. I have a feeling I have a feeling that at this point, if if like episode two, Ash had just like bought her a bike and sent her on her way, we would never see Misty again. She would nope out of there so fast after what happened in episode two. At least I would have. Here's also the look at the other side of things. If episode two he bought her a bike and sent her on his way, we probably never see Ash again. I feel like she may be one of the only reasons he's still alive. <laughs> That's a valid point. This whole series would have just stopped. Like, Ash buys Misty a bike, uh, narrator comes on in episode three and is like, you are not going to believe what happened between this episode and the last one. Ash is actually dead now. And that'd be the end of Pokemon. And who knows where we would be in our lives right now. So after Ash is complaining that he's been stuck with the bill, we cut again, another scene cut, to the Pokemon Center where Ash is receiving his Pokemon. They are now all better. And as a side note, I feel like this episode has like a different pace than the others so far. There's lots of cutting. Like you're going to realize our fellow listeners that if, you know, I'm going to be saying, oh, we cut to this scene a lot. It's happening a lot. I felt like the episodes before this were like kind of one continuous story, whereas this is just cut, 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 jumping from location to location. I'm wondering if maybe it has to do with like trying to put more content in the episode. That could be, I also thought this seems to be one of the few episodes with a lot more locations, like last episode, or even the last, so the last episode, it was all taking place in the Viridian Forest, and then before that, it all took place pretty much in the Pokemon Center. That's true. At, at Viridian City. And then before that, you know, the first episode, it does, but we're following Ash from his house to Professor Oaks to the forest. So this kind of... You know, just trying to get all these different places in there. That's true. I, I didn't think of it that way. But yeah, every episode before this has just been one location. And this one is like 18 different locations. So that's why we're doing all the cuts. So when you hear me saying cut to this, cut to that, it's because that's what happened in the episode. We then cut to the Pewter City Gym. And it seems empty. Ash begins hollering inside the Pewter City Gym, hello, and listens as his voice echoes in the caverns. So this is something I never understood. We'll find this in later episodes when Ash battles a gym leader. But the gyms are always empty. There's never a line to go to the gym leaders. You know, he always seems to luck out and be the only one there. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder how many people are actually doing what Ash is doing. Or if, like, a lot of the rest of the world is like, Man, those people from Palatown are sure backwards sending their 10-year-olds off into the world to battle gym leaders. You kind of wonder about that. Yeah, as we go on with this series, we will see a lot... A lot of the people they meet along the way, if they're kids, they're like in a school or they're still at home. And if they're, a, then the people they meet are adults. So maybe it is Pallet Town that's the backwards one. Maybe Pallet Town's the Alabama 
of this particular world. Sorry to any Alabama listeners, but you know the stereotype. Anyway, so the gym is so the gym is empty, but then so- I I will say, sorry Tyler, got to cut you off. We do have one Alabama listener. Oh no, I'm sorry Alabama listener. So I will give a shout out to our Alabama listener, Josh. I know you listen to this every epi- every week. So Josh, you're cool. I would never guess you were from Alabama if Jeff didn't tell me that. So anyway, we we cut to the gym. The gym's completely empty. And, but suddenly we realize that the gym is not actually as empty as we thought because a light flicks on and Brock is seen sitting cross-legged in the center. Ash immediately challenges Brock and Brock explains that there are special rules to gym leader matches that they can only use two Pokemon. And I feel like this is different than the games because I don't recall ever being limited in the, and it's been a while since I've played like red or yellow or anything, so maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure in the games we are not limited to two Pokemon for the gym battle. No, in the games, you are not limited to two Pokemon. You can take in your whole team of six, though in Red and Blue, Brock does only have his two Pokemon with him. Okay, interesting. Brock then asks Ash how long he's been with his Pikachu. He sees Pikachu standing there, you know, not in a Pokeball, as per usual for Pikachu, and Ash answers that it's been two weeks. I don't feel like it's been two weeks, but, you know, what are we, what are we doing? It took him two weeks to get out of Iridian Forest. Yeah, like what was he what was he doing especially since Samurai gave him directions? I know, right? He's been given he's been given directions and he still got lost for 2 weeks. We got to imagine that he's, you know, attempting to catch Pokémon and failing as we talked about before, but yeah, it's apparently it's taken him 2 weeks cuz that's what he says. So that I, I thought that that was kind of interesting. We finally get a concept of how long this has been going on for. So it's been 2 straight weeks and it's not going well. Brock then tells Ash, though, that because of the fact that he can't, you know, it's only been two weeks since he's had Pikachu, that he can't win this battle because Pikachu is still in its cutest state and can't win. I don't understand what he means by cutest state, meaning maybe meaning that it hasn't evolved a Raichu yet or or something. I'm not sure what he means by that. That's what I put. If by cutest state he means unevolved, doesn't his Geodude fit the same description in this situation? Yeah, but I mean, is Geodude cute, though? Like, I mean, he's not cute, or is Brock just being prejudiced against cute Pokemon? Hey, now that's deep. So prejudice in the Pokemon world, that's that's interesting. You know, you kind of think that that would exist. Like, you know, you got this Pikachu, it's like all cute and fat and, and all this stuff, and it's like, oh, look at that cute little fluffy thing. And then you got like Charizards and, 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 and Onyxes and things like that. You kind of, you got to kind of wonder if maybe people wouldn't like be a little prejudiced against the cute ones. Jigglypuff has no chance if that's the case. So Ash does not like this answer and is predict and predictably begins, begins complaining as he is apt to do, saying that he will worry about his own Pokemon and Brock can worry about his. Ooh, that's so, that's so like, you're such a tough guy there, Ash. The challenge then begins. A rock formation area begins to slide out from either scene, from either side, kind of like the garbage scene from Star Wars Episode uh, Four, where you know those two walls start compacting. Basically, these two rock formations just kind of shoot out of the either side of the wall and begin sliding forward. What the heck, Brock? These things literally almost crush Ash. Like, he literally has to jump backwards, and he narrowly escapes with his life before these things crush together. And I'm like, what the heck, Brock? You literally almost crushed Ash before the match even begins. Is this how you start matches? By literally almost killing your opponents? How many times have people, like, gotten there, and they're like, 
oh my gosh, I have mobility issues. And now I've been crushed because all I wanted to do <laughs> was defeat Brock in battle. Like, what the heck? I mean, I guess if they're dead, he can't lose. Also, yeah, I put the same thing. Think of the liability if someone does get crushed. That's a valid... I mean, liability aside, that's a valid point. Maybe that's why Brock is undefeated thus far. Uh, He's literally just crushing his opponents physically as they come in. Maybe this is why we shouldn't put children in charge of important things like this. That's probably true. Like, there's probably some, like, overseer in town that's, like, you know, some 30-year-old that's like, ah, there's Brock again putting his super cool devices in the gym that literally crushed a guy last week, and now the city's in debt because we're being sued by their family, and so on and so forth. Uh, But anyway, so Brock jumps down, and the battle begins. So Ash has successfully evaded being crushed. Brock's probably a little surprised, like, oh man, I thought that'd get him for sure. And the battle actually begins. Ash sends out Pikachu, predictably, and Brock sends out Onyx. He's pulling out the big guns right away. Pikachu is terrified and tries to run away. Ash sends him back out, and he reluctantly goes. So basically, Pikachu runs to Ash like, no, I can't fight this this giant Onyx. And Ash is like, nope, you got this dude, and sends him right back out there. Onyx immediately begins to try tackling Pikachu and completely misses. But unfortunately for Pikachu, he is then scooped up, and the Onyx begins to bind Pikachu by literally squeezing him. Like, literally constricts around him and starts squeezing him. And one thought that was going through my head during this, and we will learn all about Onyx during our Who's That Pokemon segment, but he is very heavy. Like, I'm really surprised Pikachu doesn't get any internal damage from this. I mean, for all we know, he does. Who knows? Ash then tells, so so Pikachu is, is being constricted, he's being binded, and Ash tells Pikachu to use Thundershock. So he lets off this Thundershock and has no effect, and Onyx seems completely unfazed and even a little surprised at how weak that attack was. Like, he kind of flinched, Onyx kind of flinches a little bit like, oh man, here it comes, the Thunder attack, and it just really doesn't do anything to him. I mean, one... Of course, Ash didn't think about type advantages and disadvantages. He just goes off of his own whim. Yep, for sure. He, he No no thought is put into anything he does. And two, why didn't he use his Pokedex on Onyx? He uses it for everything else. He didn't know what a Weedle was, for, for God's sake. That's true. You'd think that like they'd send out this massive, terrifying-looking Pokemon, and instead of just willy-nilly sending Pikachu in to do battle with him, he'd be like, hmm, maybe I should find out what this thing's about before we go running into battle. Maybe there's a rule we don't know about that you can't pull it out. Who knows? So while uh, after Pikachu does his Thundershock and it doesn't work very well, Brock begins to mock Ash for not training Pikachu very well. Ash clearly gets distraught and tries to bring Pikachu back, but he can't return from being bound. So he's trying to call back Pikachu. Pikachu cannot return, and Ash watches on in horror as Pikachu is literally having the life squeezed out of him. And a little bit of trivia, this is the only episode in the over a thousand episodes of the anime where Ash tries to recall Pikachu back to his Pokeball. No way. So this is the only time? Yep. Wow. So we witnessed history today. That's amazing. Yep, and Pikachu goes through some pretty tough stuff as the episodes go on. Maybe after this, Ash is just like, you know what? He can handle it. He's good. (laughs) So Ash reluctantly surrenders to spare Pikachu. What a butt kicking. Pikachu's being constricted. He tries to call him back. He can't do it. And then he watches on in horror as Pikachu is writhing in agony. 
and then eventually decides, I have to surrender. First of all, good for you, Ash, for making that positive call, but man, you got your butt kicked during this battle. Yeah, and that brought up a thought that I wrote down about what happened to him using his second Pokemon. I mean, he had another Pokemon he could use. Not that they would have been able to do much. Pidgeotto and Butterfree are both flying type. Why didn't we try to catch something else in that forest if we were there? Yeah, I know, right? I feel like I would have seen the Peter City Gym and been like, hmm, rock types probably better go get something that's weak to that. Or, or strong to that, I mean. So that's that's very interesting. Anyway, at this point, Ash leaves the gym disheartened. He doesn't call out his second Pokemon. I'm kind of wondering if if he had called out his second Pokemon, what would have happened? Would Onyx have just like finished Pikachu off or something? Or would he, Brock have made him let go? I don't know. I guess we'll never will know. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting thought because typically you recall your Pokemon to say you're done, but they have to faint. Like, you can still send out a weakened Pokemon to do a Pokemon battle. Yeah, true. Also, Brock was kind of a jerk when Ash was trying to recall Pikachu, and Brock's like, nah-uh. Yeah, nah-uh. We gonna crush him to death if you don't do nothing. Yeah, the whole thing was just bad, and that and that's why Ash is so disheartened as he walks away. As he's walking away, he does run into Flint, though. Creepy guy from before, uh, with the hat over his eyes and all that stuff. And Flint actually invites him to his house for what appears to be tea of some sort. At least I hope this he has been invited to a stranger's house and they are sipping beverages. Yeah, I put again, Ash is just going to sit and visit with the creepy guy. Ash is honestly a pretty terrible judge of character thus far, uh, but who knows? Maybe this will turn out for him. So Flint uncharacteristically, as they're at the house drinking the tea, tries to consult Ash and tells him that everyone loses sometimes. Ash is still sad and explains that he didn't just lose, he stunk. It would never win a regional championship. Honestly, Ash, I kind of agree with you on this one at this point. You're doing some good self-reflection here. Flint then explains that Brock is really talented and could be much better than a city gym leader and go and and goes on to show Ash that the only reason that he hasn't gone on to be like a regional champion, a, a regional champion, even though he's such a talented gym leader, is because, bless his heart, Brock is actually taking care of his 10 siblings in a very motherly role. We then flash to a scene. I don't know if they're just like standing on the street looking into their house or how this is working at this point, but we basically... You, you know, it it made me think of a Christmas carol. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, I'm the ghost of Christmas past. Yeah, when when Scro- when Scrooge is looking at the window, especially during the present where he's watching every, like looking into yeah. uh, the poor family's window. Yep. Uh, also, um, a thought I had here was what makes someone a gym leader? I don't know. Maybe they've defeated the previous gym leader many times and they went home and cried and then they took their spot. I don't know. Yeah, because they can't just be beating a gym leader because they're pretty much their role in this is to lose. Maybe it's like a town competition to decide who your town's gym leader is. I'm not really sure in that one. So anyway, we, we're standing outside of Brock's house in like a, a, a Christmas carol-esque type of thing, and they're looking in, and they see Brock mending shoes and cooking supper for his ten siblings. Brock turns around, and he's like got this like bonnet and pink apron with, with frilly stuff on it, and, and he's taking care of his siblings. And I, I gotta kind of wonder here, like, I get it, Brock. You're taking care of your ten siblings, but uh, what up with the getup? You don't need that stuff to, to take care of your siblings. He's just... Is it is is bonnets and frilly pink aprons just kind of your jam while you're hanging out at home? Like I, I don't really know what's going on with that, but who am I to judge? 
It makes him feel the role. <laughs> there you go. He's he's character acting, being a caring mother. So Ash and Flint are then seen taking a stroll, and Ash says that he is surprised to see Brock filling that role, and Flint explains that this is the only reason that Brock could never leave town for the regional championship. He has to take care of his siblings. Ash immediately asks about Brock's parents. That's kind of what I'm wondering. And Flint explains that Brock's good-for-nothing father left town to be a trainer and was never seen again, and that his mom actually died. Holy smokes, this got dark. Like, we're, this, this is dark. Like, this is some sad stuff. So, the, the mom dying was only in the English dub. Okay. Uh, so, in, instead of saying Brock's mother left the family, so, in the Japanese, in Japanese, they put that Brock's mother left the family to Brock's care. Don't, it doesn't explain why, and Flint t- but in the English version, he tells Ash that she died after trying to raise the family on her own. This resulted in a big inconsistency because in the Pokemon Chronicles episode, A Family That Battles Together Stays Together, an episode that came out in 2006, Brock's mother shows up. What? Wow. See, yeah. that kind of goes along with what I was thinking. Like, before they said Brock's mother died, I thought they were going to say, oh, she left her some smokes and isn't back yet after 10 years or something like that. So that, no, that's... that's more what Flint did. <laughs> that's true. Except for going for smokes, he went for catching and battling Pokemon. And that, I guess that also seems to be a common thread, too. Fathers just leaving on Pokemon journeys and never coming back. By the way, I just want to throw this out there. Everyone, please ignore the spoiler Jeff just dropped into the podcast here. What are you doing, Jeff? Dropping spoiler? spoilers about Brock's father. Oh, sorry. I wasn't even thinking. <laughs> You're in trouble now. If we had Twitter followers, they would eat you alive for this. So anyway. I, I'm sorry if you have not watched this episode from 22 years ago. Yeah, I know, right? Ugh, Jeff, this better not become a thing with you. All right, so anyway, we've got lots of odd and depressing family dynamics going on in the Pokemon universe. It's gotten darker. It's gotten deeper. We've got dead mothers now, uh, at least in the English version, which is what we're going to roll with. It's turning into a Disney movie. Yeah, I know, right? It's like Disney dark at this point. Ash then says, I better not listen to any more of this sad stuff. Next time we have a match, I might not have the heart to beat him yikes ash that's what you got out of that entire conversation like mm, i don't want to hear about this guy's depressing life i still want to defeat the crap out of him yeah and i put in here that i mean that was a very quick mood change ash was all somber and everything he was sad about brock's situation also he's like you know what we're just gonna be get stronger and destroy him i know right so then flint give you a guess who that is then says but you said you can never win a match against Brock. Like, kind of surprised that... I think he's also taken off guard for, you know, the sudden mood change that Ash did. Like, he's he's not reading the room during this conversation. Like, he's just like, you know what? I'm still thinking about how I'm going to beat this, you know, caring motherly kid. Ash responds with also, saying that he... Actually, Tyler, I do want to stop you. I didn't spoil that. You did. How did I spoil You it? already mentioned that Brock's father left. I never said anything about you-know-who being his father. Yes, you did. Listen, listen back to the recording, Jeff. You literally said Flint, the, or something to the effect of Flint being Brock's father. And that's when I started making that face into the Zoom call, like, Jeff, what have you done? You spoiled it. We're going to get canceled by the Twitterverse. All right, well, let's just go on. 
All right, yeah, we'll we'll set we'll settle this debate next week when, when we've had a chance to listen to it. I might be I might be wrong, but that doesn't happen very often. You can just ask my wife. So anyway, I need to get back to my spot where of what I was talking about. Oh yes, so. Ash responds with saying that he changed his mind and wants to power up Pikachu. So, Flint has this deep, heartfelt Christmas Carol-type conversation with Ash to show him the sad reason why Brock isn't a regional champion. And Ash's mind immediately flips to, I gotta beat this guy real good now. And he says that he wants to, he wants to really power up his Pikachu, and Flint says he knows the way that they may be able to actually supercharge Pikachu. And then it cuts to commercial break, and we are going to cut to Who's That Pokemon? Who's That Pokemon? All right, so the Pokemon for this week is Onyx, who in Japanese is known as Ewark. Interesting. I don't like that name as much. Yeah, I mean, it does have, when we get to his Japanese name origin, it makes sense, but I do like the name Onyx better. Um, he is number 95. He is a rock and ground type. He is 28 feet, 10 inches. I guess it would be long, not tall. And he weighs 463 pounds. Holy cow. Like, I don't have it up, and I can't remember, but Pikachu weighs just over 10 pounds, and he was being, cr- like, crushed by yeah that. if he wants to crush pikachu he can crush pikachu absolutely uh and then his category is the rock snake pokemon pretty on the nose there and he evolves into steelix while traded when holding a metal coat all right his name origin onyx is just a corruption of the word onyx which is a mineral his japanese name origin ework may be a combination of iwa which is rock and the english word snake and then Onyx's design may be a visual pun on a rock python or an earthworm. Doesn't really, he isn't really based off of anything, just a snake made of rock. Which rocks. honestly is a pretty apt description for him. Yeah. So his Onyx's biology. I have that Onyx is composed of a giant chain of gray boulders that become smaller towards the tail. Its length makes it the tallest rock type Pokemon. It has black eyes and a rounded snout. On top of its head is a rocky spine. As it grows older, it becomes more rounded and smoother, eventually becoming similar to black diamonds. Inside its brain is a magnet that serves as an internal compass, guiding Onyx wherever they need to go and prevents them from getting lost while digging. Alright, and then his Pokedex entries. Uh, From red and blue, it says, As it grows, the stone portion of its body hardened to become similar to a diamond, but colored black. As its biology said, it's like a black diamond. So the darker you... An onyx is the older you know it. It so will we're, be. So are we ever going to see like a solid black onyx? It's like the father time of onyxes. From what I know, I don't think that ever comes up in the anime. I know when they go to Orange Island, there's an episode where they meet a crystal onyx. Okay, interesting. Will literally be you know almost two years later. So okay, sure. <laughs> you put that in your notes. We'll get to it eventually. <laughs> um, Pokemon Yellow says it burrows at high speed in search of food. The tunnels it leaves are used as homes by Diglett. Pokemon Silver says it rapidly bores through the ground at 50 miles per hour by squirming and twisting its massive rugged body. Which is a very interesting uh, thing that they use to describe that. That, That's interesting. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. 
And then um, Black 2 and White 2 Pokedex entry says, Opening its large mouth, it ingests massive amounts of soil and creates lawn tunnels. So it literally eats the dirt as it's making these tunnels. That makes sense. I mean, where else would it go? True. Um, and then just one bit of trivia on, on, on Onyx. Onyx is the largest unevolved Pokemon. Oh, interesting. I, w- I was actually going to ask something related to that. Because it's like, I believe Onyx doesn't, nothing evolves into Onyx. So I was kind of wondering. Nope. They never gave him a pre-evolved form. Uh, Generation 2 is when Steelix comes along. Gotcha. Sure. All right, Tyler. So let's go back to the episode. All right. So as a reminder of what was going on before, Flint basically says that he knows a way he can supercharge Pikachu after Ash expresses interest in still defeating Brock after their Christmas carolish moment. Apparently, so so Flint ends up bringing Ash to an old hydroelectric power plant by the river and says that they can actually use this to supercharge Pikachu. And this is one of those power plants that like has like the spinning paddles in the river and it creates electricity that way. I just want to point out at this point that apparently Ash has never heard of grinding for XP. If I were Ash in this situation, I'd be heading right back into Viridian Forest and battling the heck out of other Pokemon in order to, to really grind up the XP of my Pikachu and get him ready. That's what I did if, when I got my butt kicked during, you know, Pokemon Gym Leader battles, at least during the first couple games. Well, and the problem is, like, powering up Pikachu's electricity really shouldn't work because, again, it's electric type and ground type are immune to electric type. That's true. That's true. Ash then asks Flint how he knows so much about Pokemon, and Flint becomes nervous and just says, it was luck. I wonder why he said that, Jeff. Uh, but I just find it funny that Ash asked that question, because Ash doesn't think random people can just have knowledge on Pokemon. I know, right? He seems very surprised by that. Like, you literally live in a world that seems to revolve around Pokemon. You'd think the average person would at least have some knowledge of how this all works. But I guess not if you're Ash. Yeah, it's like living in our world, you know, if I know someone's really into dogs and they start telling me about different types of dogs, I'm not surprised by it. Yeah, very true. It's not like, whoa, you know a lot about dogs because you identified how to train a dog, very basically. Ash ignores Flint's obvious awkwardness towards that question and and tells Pikachu that they should get to it, and Flint explains that they can't really use this this particular power plant because the river is dry, which, you know, doesn't seem... I feel like he could have led with that. Like, hey, don't panic, the river's dry, but I got an idea. Fortunately, Flint does have another idea for how this is going to work. So Flint hooks up Pikachu to the generator, and Ash begins manually moving the power plant wheel to charge Pikachu up. This seems like an awfully dangerous idea. What if Ash slips and just the goes under the wheel? That's a that's a very that's a very dad comment for you to make, Jeff. I just want to throw that out there. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, he can slip and fall. That's dangerous. I mean. You're working with high-voltage electricity. You are climbing up a water wheel. That's true. That's true. That probably weighs a good couple hundred pounds. That's true. I guess, Dad, Jeff, thanks for your concern. (laughs) Holy cow. Pikachu seems, so as they're doing this, as Ash is literally spinning these wheels with his feet, he's like hanging onto it and spinning it with his feet. Ash, uh, Pikachu seems to be in pain. Like he's like, ah, there's like electricity zapping into him, but... Flint explains to Pikachu 
that he will get used to the high voltage. All this power will be shocking at first, he says. Oh, man, what a punny comment. We get a lot of puns <laughs> in these last couple episodes. Hey, at least Pikachu will probably start to realize how Ash feels when he shocks Ash. That's true. He's like, wow, this hurts people. Why am I like this? Why am I randomly shocking people all the time? This actually is a painful experience. Maybe this will lead to some character growth for Pikachu, but who really knows? As, as Ash is continuing to spin the little wheel and charge up Pikachu, and Pikachu's in an immense pain, Missy decides to come rolling on by and asks if it wouldn't be just easier to ask her for help. Again, he declines, and Misty walks off defeated. So, Misty was not around them. How does she know where to find them? Is she just wandering around at night? You gotta wonder. I mean, maybe she's, like, followed him from, like, 30 feet back. She's like, I'm gonna get my bike back, you little, you little turd. Kind of a thing, like, creeping in the bushes. That could be it. I just imagine, because they're not even in the city at this point, so... That's true. She almost had to have followed him. We're just gonna go with that. She's following behind... You know, it, like Looney Tunes-esque, Ash is like, I heard a little noise, and turns around, and she, like, you know, zaps behind a wall or into a bush or something like that. So, at this point, though, m more painful charging continues. Ash tells Pikachu to hang on. This is a real dramatic scene. He's like, oh my gosh, Pikachu, you're being shocked. Just hang on. And Pikachu's like, wah, like kind of a thing. And then all of a sudden, a ton of electricity starts to burst out of Pikachu. And even Flint seems surprised, even though this was literally his plan. And this is what was supposed to happen. <laughs> but whatever. He seems pretty shocked by that. Ha ha ha, shocked. <laughs> I did not even mean to make that punny joke. That was a good one. Good job, Tyler. I'm giving myself a self-five right now. We then flash again. Back to the Peter City gym, and Ash again challenges Brock. Brock doesn't do his little, you know, rock things of death this time. He must assume that Ash is prepared for it. He's like, oh man, I'm actually going to have to battle this one. He already knows about my rock trap. Brock sends out Geodude, and Ash sends out Pidgeotto. Pidgeotto is such a horrible choice for this fight. That is very true. We're going to find out why. So Pidgeotto uses a gust attack and it has no effect. Geodude begins to punch at Pidgeotto. He's literally chasing Pidgeotto around the court, just punching at him, seeming to hit air, but you know, he's trying. As this is happening, Brock reminds Ash that flying types are weak to rock types. Ash just says, I forgot. You didn't know that, Ash. Why can't you ever just admit when you're wrong? Why can't you? Why couldn't you just said, you know what? You're right. I didn't prepare for this. We're just going to call this back, right? And as this is going on, we see Misty up in the walkway again, furthering the theory that she's actually following Ash, uh, looking distraught and rooting for Ash. She's like, oh my gosh, I hope that he can pull this out. You really got to start thinking and yada, yada, yada. And it makes me wonder, why do you still care about his success? Like, what has he done to garner this type of affection from you, Misty? I'm just going to say, in the games, if you beat a Pokemon trainer, you get money. So maybe her thought is, he needs to win these fights to get the money. <laughs> That's a valid point. And then he can buy her a new bike. That's a valid point. Maybe she's like, if he wins this battle, he'll get some money and I'll finally be rid of him. Well, Pidgeotto, as this is going on, as we flash away to Misty, you know, actually caring about Ash and his successes, Pidgeotto is, is thoroughly beat up and Ash has to call it back. He then, predictably, sends out Pikachu. You know, his uh, Butterfree is not getting any love from here. But then again, I guess he did learn that it was a weakness. Pikachu then immediately, in an awesome scene, shocks Geodude literally to a crisp. Brock is like, whoa, and like is super surprised that this happens. 
I mean, I would be surprised too since electric attacks should have no effect on ground attacks, <laughs> ground Pokemon. So, again, this is where anime physics are not following what the games say. Yeah, we're gonna. I feel like we're going to get a lot of those in the, in the coming episodes, in all honesty. They're happening a lot already. Brock, th- Brock then immediately sends out Onyx again. That would be a cool band name, Bronick and his Onyx. <laughs> Bronick and Bronick Onyx. And his Onyx. Bronick, Bronick and Onyx. That was a misspeak. It was Brock, but you know what I mean. So Pikachu is again afraid and lets out a large blast of electricity that shocks in all directions. Like there's literally electricity bolts shooting off of the ground. One of them hits right in front of Ash, and Ash warns Pikachu to watch his aim. Onyx is briefly hit and again tries to bind Pikachu. So so Onyx is briefly like shocked and he like kind of recoils a little bit, but then he immediately goes in for that bind. Pikachu lets out a large shock, and it hurts Onyx, but Onyx is hanging on. He's continuing to bind Pikachu. Pikachu then seems to be in pain. Pikachu's plan has failed. He's being binded again. He's like, oh, no, here we go again. And, and, and you see Pikachu just really struggling here. But fortunately, this time around, Brock orders Onyx to let go, saying that he doesn't actually want to hurt Pikachu. Where was this attitude before, Brock? I don't know. Maybe you just, I don't know. Maybe you're having a better day today or something. As says he wants to continue. He wants to continue this fight, even though he sees Pikachu struggling. And right as the, right at this moment, as Ash says that he wants to continue, though, we realize that a small fire has started because of Pikachu's aforementioned electric attack that was shooting little bolts all over the room. And one of Pikachu's electric blasts seems to have hit and actually caused a small fire. The sprinkler system then kicks on and to put out the fire, and it actually begins to hurt Onyx. Ash seems really surprised, and Misty yells down that rock Pokemon are weakened by water. And Ash yells for Pikachu to shock Onyx. So I put in there too that Misty notes that rock Pokemon are weak to water, but... All I could think about, you know, there's obviously rock Pokemon in the wild, so during a rainstorm, do they just start fainting all over the place? I feel like if I were Onyx, I'd be burrowing underground to avoid the rain, I guess. Yeah, but not all rock Pokemon have that ability to just burrow. I guess we'll never know. Maybe the maybe the anime will uncharacteristically go on to explain this later in a real-life okay, context. We'll have to see. I, I don't think it will, but you never know. So Onyx is knocked down in pain. By this, by this sprinkler system coming out, and Ash orders Pikachu to finish off Onyx, but then all of a sudden, Ash has a second thought and thinks that maybe he shouldn't beat Brock since he has to care for his siblings. He's starting to think, hmm, maybe this is for Brock's best interest that he actually wins this match. We then see that Ash has been attacked and grabbed by Brock's siblings. They're literally clinging on to him, and they're begging him to stop and not hurt Onyx. I love that part because Ash is like, my conscience is holding me back. I know. He's like, what is this thing? My mom always told me that I had a conscience, but I didn't believe her until today. So Ash remembers Brock's mercy from before and actually tells Pikachu to return anyway. So he says, you know what? We're not going to finish you off even though you're knocked down by this sprinkler system. Brock asks him what he is doing, and Ash explains that he doesn't want to beat him because of the sprinklers going off, that it was an accident. He wants to beat Brock fair and square. Wow. Ash actually wasn't as much of a jerk as he normally is, and honestly, I'm pretty impressed by this. He seems to he seems to keep flip-flopping on me, though. Like, he'll do one redeemable thing, and then he'll just go back to being his usual self again very shortly after. Ash then 
grabs Pikachu, and he walks out of the stadium. Misty actually seems impressed with Ash, kind of like I was. As Ash and Pikachu walk outside, Brock runs up and gives him the badge anyway, saying that he was beat fair and square. Brock then reveals that he doesn't really care about battling anyway, and prefers just raising Pokemon. This is one motherly dude, Jeff. He just wants to raise and breed the Pokemon. Hey, sometimes we just need a sensitive guy. He, the, he is definitely going to be this anime-sensitive guy, I can already tell. Uh, Brock wants to be the world's best breeder, he says. Brock asks Ash to take the badge and go live his dreams for him, since he has to stay and help with his siblings. And just then, Flint shows up and tells Brock to go on and live his own dreams. It is revealed at this point in the episode that Flint is actually Brock's father. Dun, dun, dun. He literally should have lifted his hat and been like, Brock, I am your father. But, you know, I guess that would have been too obvious. And I just want to say, even though Jeff spoiled this, I totally predicted this from the beginning. Like, I literally at first thought it was Brock with a hat on. They did not do a very good job. They did not do a very good job of disguising the fact, when you're actually watching this episode, that he's probably related to Brock. Like, they literally look the same. I mean, he he did wear that fake beard, which... I don't know if he was hanging around Putra City, how that actually hid him from Brock. Yeah, I know, right? He's like, he's like, I don't want Brock to see me because then he'll want me to do my parental responsibilities. Better throw on a fake beard. And why didn't he just grow a real beard? It'd be much more convincing that way. Ash is surprised at what Flint has just said, and Flint explains that he failed at Pokemon training and was too embarrassed to go back to his family. He wanted to help Ash because he saw himself in Ash, a.k.a. a failure trainer, which, that was a sweet diss on Ash. I was gonna say, that was a sweet diss. Like, good job, Flint. Like, you're kind of an irredeemable dude, but that was a good one. I'll, I'll give you that. Flint then agrees that he wants to step up and be a father. I'm glad that you waited until now to do this, Flint. Thank you so much. Brock then hands Flint a needle and thread and begins to tell him all the rules for taking care of his siblings. And there's some weird stuff in the list. Like, I can't remember, like, the twins don't like baths and yada yada yada. It's just, like, weird stuff like that. Uh, someone always rips their dress. Uh, the weirdest one was one will only eat cold spaghetti for breakfast. Yeah, they need to watch out for that one. If that's not one of the ten signals that someone could grow up to be a serial killer, it should be. Because who does that? And, and I just want to say that this whole thing was very anticlimactic. Like, I think you could tell from my voice as I'm explaining all this, like, I should be maybe more climactic about it. But that's really the way it was in the episode. They're just like, oh, he's his dad. Uh, I guess he's going to be a parent again. And Brock's like, yeah, you know, I don't have any res unresolved issues about you literally ruining my life thus far. You know, here's the keys to the house. You know, go on, take my take my take my siblings and 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 run wild. And all his siblings were really young. Like, do you think any of them even knew their father? Probably not. He's just going to show up and be like, I'm your dad. And they're going to be like, what? Like, they're going to be super confused. And I'm just, I just want to point out, this could have been a lot better. Yeah. And you did bring up another good point. Like, he doesn't go back to say anything to his siblings. He just leaves. No. No, he just leaves. He's just gone. He, he's gone. He's, he's down the road. Uh, I, I feel like that this could have been a real, like, Jerry Springer type of thing. Like, you know, Brock, I feel like, should have had some unresolved emotional connections to this whole situation, but he doesn't. He's just like, here you go, peace on out. And then we flash to Brock walking with Ash. He's decided to go with him. Brock asks about this girl that keeps following them, and Misty yells from the distance, 
that she is not leaving until she gets paid back for her bike. Ash then tells Pikachu and Brock to run so they can lose her, and he's back to being a jerk. That did not take long, Ash. Good job. No. You didn't let me down. We then have the narrator flash in and explain that Ash will continue his journey to become a Pokemon master, and we flash to Team Rocket, who has finally emerged from their hole that they dug. If you recall at the beginning of the episode, they were literally fell into their own hole, and as they stick their heads up out of the hole, the party that's running away from Misty actually tramples over their heads, and as Team Rocket falls back down into the hole, they say, we've hit rock bottom. That's awesome, because A, that's a tie to the town that they're in, that's that's kind of in the theme of the episode, and they literally hit rock bottom when they ended up in the bottom of that hole. Very punny. I love that joke. Yeah, and their plan would have worked if they wouldn't have fallen into their own hole. Absolutely. At this moment, to be continued, comes across the screen, and we end episode five. Yeah, that, again... I mean, I, I say this every episode, but I've enjoyed every single episode we watch. Uh, we at, we finally get our trio our, that everyone knows from the very first season of the anime. We finally get all three of them that are going to be in this group. Let's just say I really hope that they use this trio dynamic to do more than add more opportunities for Ash to argue with people. I predict a lot of arguing in the next episode. We'll see if that happens. I mean, I feel like Brock with his... With his, uh, how he behaves is going to be more of a mediator than an instigator. That's probably true. I'm, I'm hoping so. He also is a little older than both Ash and Misty. I think they say he's like 12 years old. Oh, he's the responsible one in the group now. Being yeah. 12. Yeah, he's not even a teenager yet at 13, so, you know. But again, a really fun episode, and if you enjoyed the episode, let us know and... As I said before, tweet us at Pokemon Snapshot, email thepokemonsnapshot at gmail.com. But Tyler, this is it. We're done with the episode. I know, and Grandma, you've been blocked from Twitter, so don't even try. I won't get into that, but next week you can all join us in watching episode 6 of the anime, Clefairy and the Moonstone. Oh, it's gonna be really awesome!